in bringing attention to the present and making the effort to establish the open quality of awareness, attending to the present reality in a clear, unbiased, steady way. And we use the reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta. But in order for these uh, reflections to work effectively as uh, the kind of tools they're intended to be, then there has to be a, a, a kind of live engagement, a heartful engagement. As the flow of perceptions and feelings, things we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, things we imagine, things we remember, as they arise, take shape, fill the, the, the flow of experience during the course of the day, and sometimes just making a, a mental reference of, oh, this is changing, or this is not me or mine. It can, it can become uh, automatic or superficial. But to make it more live and real, effective, to make these tools really bring about the kind of changes in attitude that they're intended for, and it can be helpful to ask questions, to use the reflective ability of the mind. Or using conceptual thought, or asking a question to explore these particular qualities. So when you hear a sound, you feel a sensation in the body, some kind of physical pain, and you can ask a question like, is this changing? Has this begun? Will it end one day? You can use the, the phrasing that we choose, the words that most effectively bring about that kind of shift of attitude. Use your own language. For most of us here, English is not our first language. You can Bring forth these kind of reflections in your own tongue, your own words. Or when the mind is stuck on a particular quality or drawn into a particular area, then you use these kind of inquiries when the mind is drawn into a, uh, a sweet memory, getting drawn into some kind of satisfying recollection, some sweet moment of our past, we can pick that up. Notice the gratification, the asada that comes from that. 
So yeah, that was a sweet moment. That was a, a delicious time. That was really something wonderful. But did it sustain itself? If the mind dwells on that memory for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, does it remain satisfying? Does that feeling of completion, gratification, does that sustain itself? Is this completely and absolutely pleasing, satisfying, gratifying? So we can use these kind of questions to investigate the quality of dukkha. The quality of anicca and anatta. Does this really have an owner? If there's an owner of this thought, if there's an owner of this idea, this, this mood, what does that owner look like? How can anything be owned? I feel it's most helpful for each of us to explore the different ways we can use reflective wisdom, the kind of questions that, that uh, will bring about that transformation of attitude, helping the mind, the heart, to go from the self-centered perspective to the nature-centered perspective seeing things in terms of Dhamma. For each of us it's going to be different. Different ways of investigating, different languaging. It's going to work in different ways for each of us. The point is not the words that we use, the particular question, but rather that freeing of the heart. That's the answer to all those questions. That's the the point of applying these kind of reflections, exploring these characteristics of anicca, dukkha, anatta. When the mind dwells on some kind of satisfying experience, or even just absorbing it, and satisfying doesn't mean it's necessarily pleasant. You can feel satisfied absorbing into your rant about what's wrong with you know, this person or that person that you live with, uh, the person who's on the rotor with you or the person in the next room. It can be very satisfying to get lost in, a, uh, in an internal rant, complaint, So that, that kind of absorption or gratification doesn't necessarily come from a, a pleasant perception. But it is that of that quality of, say, completion, absorption, as a yes, having a good grumble, getting drawn into my insoluble problem or the thing that I really want. Whatever it might be, there's asada, that gratification. And we use these reflections, exploring 
the qualities of change and uncertainty, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not self, in order to see the liability, the downside, the adinava. And in seeing that downside, you remember some sweet moment, some kind of delightful incident from your past when you were a young child in school or playing with a friend or some sweet moment from a, a family event or a holiday, some inspiring retreat that we were on so many years ago. Exploring the, the limitations of that, the downside of that. That's investigating the adinava. And then the nisarana, the release, comes from recognizing, oh, that pleasure was, it's unsustainable. It's a sweet memory for a moment, but that can't sustain itself. It can't be permanently, absolutely pleasing. Aha. That aha, that's the nisarana, the release, the freeing of the heart. And that's the purpose of these kinds of reflections. In this respect, I find that one of the most valuable and impactful areas is exploring the feelings of self, me the meditator, me the experiencer, me the owner of this body, the, the liver of this life, me who feels, me who thinks, my story, how old I am, where I'm from, my nationality, my gender, my name, my family. These perceptions, patterns of identification, are extraordinarily deeply rooted, embedded. The conceiving of the I am feeling, the asmimana, it's extraordinarily deep, automatic powerfully conditioned into the mind. But we can use these very reflections to explore that, to look directly at that feeling, to know that feeling of ownership. This is my body. I'm in pain. I'm planning. We can use different kinds of, of wording to explore that. Classical expressions can be used like who am I or what am I? What is it that's aware? Is there a real Amaro? Whatever your name happens to be, is there? What is that? What is it that knows that feeling of I and me and mine? When we use this kind of questioning, it, if the 
concentration, if the attention is not steady, then the mind can easily get lost in a, a whole chattering stream. That's not the point. Often it's useful to use the same question, the same pattern of approach, a few times over. Don't just jump from one reflection to another. Use the same wording a few times over. And when we ask these questions, the point of it is not some kind of intellectual answer. It's not some kind of concept or idea that the mind comes up with. But the point of these kind of questions is to puncture the habits of seeing things as permanent, real, satisfying, reliable, personal. It's to puncture those bubbles, burst those bubbles of presumption, things we take for granted. So it's that change of heart that, aha, that's the point of using these patterns of, of inquiry. When there's the question, is there a real me? What is it that owns this moment? The point is the silence of the mind that comes immediately after the question is posed. That pause, that hesitation before the thinking mind jumps in. When that kind of, kind of question is asked, is there a real Amaro? In that moment before an answer pops up, the mind is awake, aware, and in that moment there's no sense of self, there's no I, no defined being. And then we can see that come together again, that I, me, my formations start to crystallize, like the ice crystallizing on the, the blades of grass, on the leaves. All those I's and me's and mine's, they form like ice. It's like the frost can be beautiful around the edges of the leaves on the grass, sparkling when the sun comes up. Those feelings of I and me and mine can also be entrancing, beautiful, compelling. My hopes, my fears, my problems, my experience, my opinions, they can be really relished, can seem very precious. But notice what it's like. Notice the quality of the heart when those melt, when those dissolve, when, they, when they're seen through. In that moment of clear seeing of that which knows the personal isn't a person. 
quality of wakeful awareness, spacious, limitless, completely present, but not a person. It knows all those personal perceptions, memories, sensations, ideas, emotions, judgments, loves and hates. It knows all the personal arising and passing, taking shape and dissolving. But it has no personal qualities other than being present, being awake, being aware. Feel that, know that quality, bright, peaceful. Also with a, a quality of completeness, wholeness. Perfectly simple. Or during the course of the day, we can use this practice, develop this, not just while we're sitting here in a period of formal meditation, but as we get up and walk away from the building where we are, as we walk from one place to another, as we carry out the various tasks of the day, walking up and down, seeing, hearing. Is this changing? Does this moment have an owner? The mind which knows form, does it have a form? That which knows the feelings of self, is that a person? Is it male or female, old or young? Does it have a nationality, a language? So we can develop this as an ongoing presence of awareness, an inquiring, exploring, investigation, looking into the nature of experience, seeing the array of presumptions and conditioning that the mind has built up around this life of ours, and letting it go over and over and over. And then feeling, knowing directly what's the result of having let go. What is the quality of the heart free of grasping, free of identification? The heart knowing its own nature. Dhamma aware of its own nature. 